the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we do every time we come together, to be here with us this morning. And we trust that you are a God who keeps your promises and are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. One of the quirky things about the Episcopal Church, and actually several other churches, including the Roman Catholic and Lutheran churches, is that we clergy don't actually select the readings that you hear read in church each Sunday. We follow something called a lectionary. Probably some of you have heard about this. It's basically a schedule that's laid out for us, and we consult it each week to see what the readings are going to be. It assigns, as you've seen week by week, a reading from the Old Testament, a psalm, something from one of the New Testament letters, and a reading from one of the four Gospels every week. Sometimes they align themselves into loose series, and sometimes they seem to vary widely from week to week. Perhaps you knew all that, though. What you may not know, and what I didn't know, until I went to seminary and sort of started to actually learn how the prayer book worked, was that the lectionary is laid out on a three-year cycle. For instance, today, the assigned readings are from what's called Proper 25, Year A. Now, there are also years B and C, which we'll do next year, and the year after that, respectively, this same Sunday, toward the end of the season after Pentecost, as we get closer to Advent. The prayer book stipulates that this Sunday is the Sunday closest to October 26th. So, there you go. That's where you've come to this morning, proper 25, year A. But the catch is that after year A come year B and C, but then we go right back to year A again. In other words, three years from now and three years ago on this same Sunday, we did the exact same and will do the exact same set of readings. So for a preacher, it can be instructive to go back to your notes from three years ago, if you're someone who keeps sermon notes, to see what you said about a set of readings three years ago. And that's what I did this week, just out of curiosity. And what I found in my sermon notes from three years ago was, I thought, very interesting. It turns out that three years ago, this very weekend, I was actually preaching right here for the very first time. I wasn't even your associate rector yet. That didn't happen until Christmas. I was here invited to be the speaker to the men's retreat, and I came back a little bit early because J.D. invited me to speak here on Sunday morning. And so I did. And looking over my notes, I remembered that I sort of did this whole opening joke about how none of you knew me, and that I could make all of these audacious claims about my own personal righteousness and holiness that none of you could refute because you didn't know me. I quoted Psalm 1 to you as though it described me. I said, happy are they like me who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked 
nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. Their delight, like mine, is in the law of the Lord. And they, like me, meditate on it day and night. They, like me, are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do, like me, shall prosper. I did acknowledge that the time was coming when you would know me better and you would start to see that I'm not always planted by streams of water, that I don't always bear the best fruit and that not everything I do prospers. Which brings us to today, three years later, how I long to be unknown to you again. How I wish I could go back in time when you were all so hopeful about what I might be rather than so knowledgeable about what I actually am. And one of my favorite films, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, begins with a man standing naked in his hotel room in an almost catatonic state. He's staring at a TV screen that's showing only static, and you can tell that he's completely at the end of his rope. And then you hear his voiceover. He says, when you're young, you could be anything. You could be Einstein or DiMaggio. But then there comes a point when what you could be gives way to what you have been. You weren't Einstein or DiMaggio. You weren't anything, really. That's a bad moment. When what you could be gives way to what you have been, that's a bad moment. That scene came into my mind as I realized I was celebrating my three-year lectionary preachiversary today. And it came into my mind as I read the lessons that were assigned to us this week. In Matthew 22, we have a lawyer from the Pharisees asking Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, he says, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus says to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then, even more baldly, we have God speaking to his people through Moses in Leviticus, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, maybe you're not like me, but when I read passages like this, I go catatonic. Clothed, but catatonic. I mean, listen to these words, you shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. 
You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I cannot hear these verses without being brought face to face with all the ways in which I have not loved the Lord my God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all the ways in which I have not loved my neighbor as myself. When what you could be gives way to what you have been, that's a bad moment. When you realize the difference between who you are and who you ought to be, that's a bad moment. Did you hear that sentence in our psalm sung so beautifully this morning by the choir? It was achingly beautiful because the words are, in the morning it is green and flourishes what you could be. In the evening it is dried up and withered what you have been. These two passages that we have before us this morning, first from God through Moses in Leviticus and then from the God-man Jesus in Matthew, both of these scriptures are designed to bring us to that bad moment. There's an incredible story from Nehemiah chapter 8, which I encourage you to read in its entirety, but in which the people of Israel ask Ezra, the scribe, and Nehemiah, the governor, to read to them from the books of Moses, the books of the law. And so Ezra and Nehemiah bring out the book, and they stand in front of a big square at a place called the Water Gate, where all the people are gathered. And they read from the law all morning. This is, again, Nehemiah chapter 8. I want to read just two verses to you, verses 8 and 9. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. They tell them not to mourn or weep. Why? This is the key sentence. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. When what you could be gives way to what you have been, that's a bad moment. And what happened to the people of Israel in Nehemiah is what happens to all of us when we hear the law read and when we understand it. We break down in tears. When what you could be gives way to what you have been, that's a bad moment. When you understand the difference between who you are and who you ought to be, That's a bad moment. But it is into that exact moment that Jesus comes. 
Listen to Paul writing in Romans. Therefore, he says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He's not talking about a bad moment, although he does later listen. He says, for while we were still weak, at our bad moment, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, he says, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, in our bad moment, Christ died for us. Christ died for us in that bad moment. When what you could be gives way to what you have been. Yes, that's a bad moment, but that is the moment in which Jesus died for you. There's a reason that at the beginning of our service this morning, when we say the summary of the law, these exact same words that Jesus has for us in Matthew, we read the summary, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What do we say immediately? Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. It's reminiscent, isn't it, of the tax collector that Jesus talks about looking up to the heavens and beating his breast, saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The good news is that when sinners cry to the Lord for mercy, He has mercy every single time. Jesus says that it was that tax collector who went home justified. Now, before we knew each other, we might have been just judges. We might have been people who don't slander our neighbors. We might have been loving We might have avoided taking vengeance or bearing grudges. We might have been people who loved God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. We might have been people who loved our neighbors as ourselves. But now we know each other. And we know each other for who we actually are. Sinners in desperate need of redemption. In this world, when what you could be gives way to what you have been, that's a bad moment. But it is not so in Jesus. In Christ, when what we could have been gives way to what we actually are, that's a gospel moment. We are sinners, yes, but we are saved sinners, redeemed by the death of God's own Son for us. And so now, when we hear the law and understand it, 
we don't go catatonic. Now, when a sinner calls out to God for mercy, mercy is showered upon us, and we are saved. Amen.